Today we're going to entitle this message, It's Worth the Wait. Just one scripture. I don't remember last time I gave um, Ethan just one scripture to flip through. Usually it's 30. But Luke chapter 24, verse 49, New Living Translation, the Bible says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let's pray. What I don't want to do is I don't want to make this all about the children and those that are here that are, that are adults who need something feel like um, I'm excluding you. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit like the Bible says, I want you to receive it today. If it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God, you felt that touch, you felt um, that, that feeling where words aren't enough, tears just don't seem to suffice, something that comes from the very depths of your soul, I pray you feel it today. What I don't want is I don't want you to excuse yourself and check out mentally thinking this is just for the kids. My prayer is that whatever you need today, that when God's spirit begins to move in this place, that you won't make excuses and you won't excuse yourself and retire to the sidelines of the service, but you'll jump right in the middle of it. And I pray that you get everything you need. So let's pray to that. Jesus, we love you. God, we come in this place understanding that you are already here. You've been waiting on us all week. God, as we lifted our hands and our hearts and our voices to heaven, God, I pray that not only what we felt, I pray that you felt something as well. I pray that you, God, felt the love that we have towards you in the, in the worship, how the kids are trying their very best to demonstrate their love and adoration for you in, in new ways. God, I hope that what was done here today so far has brought a smile to your face. But God, now, would you do what only you could do, God? Would it be more than words prepared by a man? Would it be more than just three points in a poem, God? Would your spirit come in this place, God, from each side, from wall to wall, from front to back? God, saturate us in your presence. God, we've been waiting all week, but Jesus, it's, it's been worth the wait. Would you help me, God, to say something that would move somebody from where they at where they're at to where you want them to be would you help me to say something that would connect somebody with your power God we pray that the promise could not be something we preach about but because something that we possess in Jesus name where I said amen thank you for standing you may be seated how many of you know that the last thing someone says is extremely important when you, are, you know that you're uttering your last words to those who are closest to you, those words are weighty. Those words are valuable. Those words are the most important. And Jesus spoke last words to his disciples. Before he exited a scene and turned this movement that he gave his life for over to this ragtag, uneducated, inexperienced, unlikely group of men and women, he spoke last words. Most of us think that the last thing Jesus said to his disciples is when he instructed them to go into all the world and make disciples, the last marching orders, the last instructions. However, that isn't the last thing that Jesus said. After his resurrection and appearing multiple times, 
Um, to the disciples, Jesus measures his last words and looks at them. And in Luke 24, 49, that we read, that's Jesus' last words. And now I send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But, I, but stay here in the city, talking of Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This again is validated in the beginning scene of Acts 1 and 4, where the writer once again discloses Jesus' last words to them. His last words to them was to wait, not go, but to wait. He tells them that they should gather together in Jerusalem and wait on power. Acts is an account of obedience to that command to wait. Here we see the scene of the demoralized, the frightened, the uncertain, the discouraged group of men and women who huddle together and wait. That's Acts chapter 1. Then we read Acts chapter 2. Then the rest of Acts, well, the New Testament altogether for that matter, is different. It's chock full of miracles. Lame folks are healed. Snake bites are shaken off. Dramatic releases from prison. Resurrection of the dead. Mass salvations. The rest of Scripture is simply a revelation of what happened after they waited. This doesn't bode well for the self-starter people that get just bored waiting. The disciples were commanded to go and wait. Don't start your ministry until you've received the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, full of power in your life. I think it's safe to say that the waiting certainly worked out. It was worth the wait. This backwards fearful and weak group of individuals are so clothed with power from the Holy Spirit that by the time we arrive in Acts chapter 17, the writer informs us that people of the community has described these men as the ones who turn the world upside down. We see after Jesus arrest and his, his crucifixion, the disciples are hiding, they're scared to death. Then when they receive something that also you and I can receive today, that not only did they see miracle signs and wonders, but before their ministry ended, all they were known for as those who turned the world upside down. Now, I don't know if you're going to turn the world upside down, but we've said it before that we believe those that are in this room are going to change it. I believe that those that are in this room have a ministry that they haven't even tapped into yet. And if I can say it without being rude, you love God and, and, and you honor God, but a lot of you are moving in your own power. A lot of you are moving in your own talent and skills. But what would happen if talent and skill would meet the power of the Holy Spirit? What would happen in your life, in your ministry, in this church, in your work. I don't know, but what they waited on changed everything for them, and it changed everything for us. To this day, the encounter that these men and women had in the upper room has launched the fastest growing movement in the world. I do think it's important at this moment to back up them so that we don't make the mistake of thinking this great power was just for them. So we go back and pick up in Joel chapter 2, we can learn the truth. Joel chapter 2, 28. New Living Translation, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So if the wait was worth it, and it is, undeniably it was, and if what they waited on was designated for every type of person and not some special class or society or section of society, then the question begs to be asked today, what are you waiting on? I think you've heard enough sermons to save the world. 
I think you've heard enough preaching to save everybody in this city. I think you've been in enough worship services that you've heard every song and you know most of the words you can clap on beat. Some of y'all even run in the right direction and I'm thankful for that. Amen. Hallelujah. But what are you waiting on? What is your expectation? When you come to church, are you actually wanting to hear another sermon? Are you coming to church wanting to have an encounter with God? A lot of us are coming because that's what we do. We're in the Bible Belt. We come to hear a sermon. Our conscience feels better. But when's the last time you came and said, I don't care if pastor preaches or not. I don't care if Todd sings one song. But if God is in there, I'm going. What would it be like if the entire church showed up and said, God, I want to walk in and feel your presence. I want every single person to hit their face. Now, if you're reading the Bible through in a year, that is not to make you feel bad. I'm just saying if you are. If you're reading in the message, so I, I forget what book that, oh, we're in numbers now. We're in numbers, right, son? It's numbers. It, it's crazy. Go through the book of numbers in the message and see how many times it says, and Moses fell on his face, and Aaron fell on his face. It was so powerful is that when, when people started talking about Moses and saying, we can do that, Moses fell on his face. And then God said, I'll tell you what, meet back here tomorrow. We're going to see who's with who. He was saying, a prophet will speak on my behalf, but Moses, I speak face to face. He was saying, the best of your prophets aren't even the same level as Moses, but Moses didn't have to fight, he fell on his face. When's the last time you had so much God in a room where you fell on your face? Some of, you, um, some of y'all didn't want to get your nice jeans dirty. You won't even bend down your knees. You just kind of just do like you're about to go running. Some of, you, some of you stand. When's the last time you fell on your face? When's the last time you cried so much in the presence of God that you couldn't even form a word in your native tongue? When is the last time? We don't wait on God anymore. Now, I'm all for organization. But that five-minute countdown is for you. That's not for God. That five-minute countdown, a little wrap it up, get your last cookie, come on, and let's get into the service. But we're not putting God on a timer. We're putting us on a timer because if not, we'll still be talking about what we bought when we were shopping and what we got when we were fishing and when we went to the beach and we did all this other stuff. We put the five-minute timer to help you focus. That, that is not timer on God. How many days did they wait in the upper room? How many days? First trivia question, Wednesday. How many days to wait up a room? Son, stop guessing. But what if you came to church today and said, you know what? If you're willing to wait over seven days, I'm not going to tell you the answer. God will do something awesome in your life, but you got to stay here. No, 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 no. I got to go to work. I got, I got the crock pot on. I got, I, we we got to go. We got DoorDash coming. We can't wait on God. We'll give God 90 minutes, 96 if it's really good. You know, but I can't wait days. They waited. These are the disciples. They already had a powerful ministry and didn't budge until they got the promise from God. We come week after week after week and settle for preaching and singing without promise. 
I want promise. I want everything God has for me. Call me greedy if you want to, but if God says he wants to give it to me, I'm not going to tell him no. I want everything God has for me, and I'm willing to wait for it because it's worth the wait. Um, So again, the question is, what are you waiting on? This great and promised gift from God is ours to have and to utilize. And yet many of us haven't encountered or experienced the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. This will hurt your feelings or at least make you sad. A recent survey revealed that less than 40% of people attending spirit-filled churches have even personally received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Less than 40%. So what what we'll say, three. So three people out of 10 in a church that believes that God still fills people with the Spirit today. That's seven people that are coming and watching and never receiving promise. Is that sad? Please say yes or I'm going to preach this 90 minutes. <laughs> okay. But why? Could it be that they are waiting on the wrong thing? The disciples waited on power. What are you waiting on? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let her do that. She's, she's the only one that's preaching with me today. <laughs> I would submit that we've been waiting on the wrong thing. We've been waiting on powerful services. We've been waiting on goosebumps. We wait on tongues or a prayer language and, and, and act as if that's the goal and the end all and the climax of the experience rather than the indicator of the beginning of the experience. We wait on gifts. We wait on spiritual shows and displays. We wait on more instruction. We wait on different answer or solution because this one requires faith, trust, and makes us uncomfortable We wait for everything else. But many times we see and experience those things and discover that the wait wasn't worth it because they're fleeting and don't produce the one thing that the Holy Spirit was promised to produce. Now, I'm not going to mess with your theology. I believe the Bible says when you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will speak in other tongues, in a language. But he didn't say go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of tongues. He said, go to Jerusalem, wait on the promise of the Father until you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you come looking for goosebumps, look, I don't care how cold you got, then they weren't permanent. Because if they were, you'd be, you'd be like, you feel weird. Can you imagine 24 goosebumps, 24-hour goosebumps? Say, it wasn't goosebumps. If you're waiting for a powerful service, you better stay in church 24-7. He didn't say any of those things. I believe, I love powerful services. I love when God moves in here and I got goosebumps on top of my goosebumps and you can feel it from the back of your head and from the back of your neck. I love that. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the manifestation of God's power. What? Oh, there's the word. Power. I'm not against speaking in tongues. I think you need to speak in tongues to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know that some people don't like it. And guess what? I don't care because it's in the Bible. Just find me a Bible that doesn't say it, and we can talk about it. But I'm, that's not my end goal. My end goal should be the actual promise. The promise was power. The promise was power. Power to change the world. Power to witness. Power to live uprightly. Power to bring the kingdom of heaven to bear on earth today. Power to bring freedom. That is what was intended. That is what Jesus said would be the pride of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Everything else the Holy Spirit produces is incredible. But if we are not endued, clothed with power, then we're missing the point. Clothed, not something that we have only during a good service. Permanently infused, covered with, consumed with power. 
If, if you really want to know, not, oh man, I'm trying not to meddle, Sister Quran. Do you know the easiest place to do ministry is in this building right here? You do not have to be super spiritual. We got the lights. They gave me a microphone I don't have to hold. Todd sung great. Rick played great. We got cameras and cameras. We got paparazzi all over the place. If you can't, if you can't do ministry here, you got a problem. If you can do ministry out there, you have power. When's the last time you ministered to somebody, ministered to somebody in your living room? When's the last time you ministered to, some, ministered to somebody on your lunch break? When's the last time you ministered to somebody in the store? When's the last time somebody made the mistake of talking to you in the parking lot and they got ministered to? When is the last time? That is power. It should be permanent. It's not you'll receive power on Sunday at 2.30 when we start really getting after it. No, he says you're going to be clothed with, permanently infused, covered with Consume with power, an encounter that changes how we live, changes how we think, changes how we behave, changes our goals, desire, purpose, and our attitude. I'm tired of waiting on something that is only used to produce good service on Sunday. But I think we live a bad week life the rest of the week. We can have some good services on Sunday. The Holy Spirit should bring power. Yes, ma'am. So my question to you is, if those have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tough question. Since you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are you any stronger? Are you overcoming the things that used to overcome you? Are you withstanding attacks that used to overtake you? I'm glad that you spoke in tongues. I'm glad that you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad you felt great. I'm glad you had a glow. However, have you exhibited any power? If not, then I would suggest that maybe it's time for a refilling so that you can tap in the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Here, here, this is why we have problem in spirit-filled churches. It's because people say you need to, be, you need to repent, get baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with heaven speaking other tongues. Boom, you're done. Sit and wait for the rapture. No, no, no. But if you're seeking for tongues, you might speak in tongues one time when you're 18 years old and be 68 and haven't spoken tongues in five decades. No power, zero. But when you are looking at being filled, consumed, clothed, endued with power, that's going to come. It comes with it. When's the last time? When's the last time you've seen someone on the altar and they were crying and you actually felt something? When was the last time you seen somebody with their hands up and their tears running down their face and you actually felt something? When was the last time? When was the last time that you felt something in you to go pray for somebody else and as soon as you touch their shoulder, they begin to shake? Why? Because there's something in you. When's the last time? People don't shake over human touch. And I know all those studies about the healing, you know, in the hospitals and how nurses, when they begin to touch and hold patients' hands, they get better. I know all that. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you can walk up to somebody and they can't see you and you put your hand lightly on their shoulder and all of a, begin, all of a sudden they begin to shake and shudder and fall to their knees, not because your hand touched them, but because something that's inside of you left your hand. When was the last time? See, maybe... You're one of those ones who've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus. I simply want to encourage you to begin with the process of waiting and seeking. So we have a problem with this waiting thing. 
I have a bunch of notes and I don't need it. But most of the time, the word wait is mentioned in Scripture. It's in reference to overtaking an enemy. Like the phrase to lie and wait means to ambush. And further, considering the origins of the word in English, wait is derived from the old northern French word waiter, meaning to watch, to be awake, to be attentive. I think it helps to think of waiter or waitress at a restaurant. Waiting on a table is an active service. It's, it's to be watchful and to anticipate needs rather than to be stationary and aimlessly allow time to pass. Waiting is an active verb. See, some people, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're doing nothing. That's what you're doing. I'm waiting on God. No, you're not. You're procrastinating. I'm waiting on God. No, you're not. You're marking time. But if you look at waiting as a waiter, how would you like your service if they were just going to sit over in a corner uh, excuse me, ma'am, sir. Oh, I was waiting for you to get, waiting for me. You're the waiting. See, so many of us, we do that in church. We sit and we're waiting for God to levitate us and draw us to the altar. No, no. Waiting is, is, is actually, it's an active thing. So I want you to be active. When I say waiting on God, I'm not saying do nothing until, until God does something. No, I'm saying is I want you to be actively observant and engaged until God does something. What does that mean? Well, we're talking about receiving baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean, waiting on God? I want you to wait on the Spirit. Just sit there. No, what I'm saying is I want you to be actively involved. If it's not today, it'll be tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it'll be, it'll be next week. But do something. But so many people read about promises and they're content with it without ever possessing it. I am terrible. I am terrible gift giver. Do you know why? It's because if I have a gift, I can't wait till the date. If I get a Christmas gift for you, you're getting it in November. <laughs> because I can't wait for you to enjoy it. I think God's kind of like that. He's like, look, look, I'm going to give a gift now starting, starting in Acts 2, um, and you guys can have it anytime you want. So every day is the best day of your life. All you got to do is receive it. As you stand with me, let's, let's try to land this thing real quick. So maybe you never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, I, what I'm saying is I simply want to encourage you to seek or to begin the process of waiting and seeking. Because if you never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you've been listening to my instruction, the same instruction I'll give to the kids, is the same thing that's going to help you connect to God. But I want you to take the first step. Maybe you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a young person, but now you need a fresh a touch of power. Listen to me. Every week, every single service is an opportunity for God to do something awesome. Every single service is an opportunity for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However, we are putting laser-like emphasis and focus on this service and next service, which is Pentecost Sunday. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, I can't do this type of altar call every single week. I can if I'm evangelist, because I'll be in a different church every week. And I said it before, is that I can't be pastor and evangelist. I can move between both of them. I can't be 
the same thing at the same time. Why? Because you will not grow. There's some things you got to slow down and you got to teach. There's some things you got to lay foundation. But listen to me. I don't need to yell and scream and run around this place to impress you. But I promise you in the next few minutes when we hit this altar, you're getting evangelist, JT. And I'm going to pray for people. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive it today. I don't care how old you are. You can be 8 or 80. I double dog dare you to come up to this altar and ask God to give you his promise. I will do everything in my power to help you connect with God and receive that. But listen, every single week I will pray for you. But do not miss this week or next week. Because I am in full evangelist altar call mode. I'm going to spend all my time here. So my question is, you can put that down. You're not going to need that. My question is, what are you waiting on? Are you waiting? Are you waiting on God to do something? Are you praying for God to give you something he already said was yours? Are you asking God, God, give me power, give me this, give me that. And he says, I already poured it out. But you want to receive it a different way. I like my UPS and FedEx man. I just can't get him to drop the packages down the chimney. He said, look, you're going to get the, you're going to get the gift of the package the way we do it. So you can jump up and down and get all mad if you want a different way, but we don't do that. You can jump up and down and say, God, I, I want this, I want it this way, I want this way. God said, no, no, no. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, I am not an English major, nor a Spanish major. But where I come from, all means all. Not just the 12, not just those in the book of Acts, but all flesh. When he said it in Joel, that's Old Testament. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. So my question is, do you think it's worth the wait? If you think so, you don't have to wait much longer. We're going to be like waiters. We're going to be actively doing something in the next few minutes. Todd's going to sing. We're going to raise our hands. We're going to open our mouth and we're going to begin to pray.